Are you wondering how you can contribute to Funniest Thing? Don't flip out. Go to patreon.com forward slash funniest thing. Whoa! This one is called The Pants. Take eight. Welcome to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, the best looking guys on the radio. We all know the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly, like Mr. Magoo blindly stepping onto the next swinging girder and falling into an outrageous jackpot. Your hosts, Daryl and Ed, are about to administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Now, here are your hosts, Daryl and Ed. Welcome to The Funniest Thing. Yes. Where each week we share stories about how stepping out boldly always leads to better than expected outcomes. Yes. I'm Daryl. And I'm Ed. And we're broadcasting live from, oh, he snuck the plants in, from Chobo Studios. In beautiful downtown Van Nuys. <laughs> he brought back the public we access. We forgot to bring the surfboard out of the shed this week, but that's okay. That's okay. We are up and, ri- up and rolling once again, and our today's show is called The Unlimited Power of Childlike Faith. With tattoo artist, welder, amazing human being, Stephen Bruni coming in in the second yeah. segment. Just a steel town boy with a, on a Saturday night. Yeah. He's a maniac, a maniac. maniac. On the floor. Okay. <laughs> well, because she was a welder. She was by day. But little did people know that she was a dancer by night. Similar to Bruni. That's so true. So, even as we grow older... We can maintain the attitude of the trusting child, not only for its simple trust should we have the childlike spirit, but also for its joy in life, its ready laughter, its lack of criticism, and its desire to share. A famous carpenter once said, except you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. On this episode, Daryl and Ed encourage everyone to give way to our desires to become like children in faith and hope. To live generously, friendly, and trusting. In Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol, to everyone's delight. Even old Scrooge changed for the better when he got the childlike spirit. And during the second segment, tender-hearted tough guy, Stephen Bruni, joins us at the kids' table. Right here. The kids' table. With today's reading, Unlimited. And, and a lot more great stuff. We've already had a chance to... Oh, we got our... Did somebody order a surfboard? Oh, my God. Live from Chobo. Can you slip that back here? Is it going back there? Yeah, why not? Over your shoulder there. Oh, my God. This is starting to look like we're doing it from the garage again. Yeah, and this is actually a birthday episode. Today is my birthday. Um, uh, Monday, two days from the recording of this show, will be Daryl's birthday. My wife gave me this crown and told me to put it crown on crown of favor whenever it felt appropriate so for now i'm going to put on my crown of favor for those who are watching on youtube if you're not watching yet hop on funniest thing with daryl and ed you can like and subscribe shout out to my students Josue and kevin who are now fans of the show yep. and mr ami my assistant uh we love you guys and you've been a huge inspiration to me 
um, actually for this episode. So um, that's true. Yes. Now you know you, you quoted a famous carpenter. You know why a lot of people during his lifetime didn't take uh, Jesus seriously? Because he was a carpenter. No, no, why? Who ever heard of a Jewish carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you someone who has. My cousin in Greenwich. In Greenwich, uh, they have the largest banquet table. They're they're doctors. Yeah. In Greenwich, and it was built by Jewish carpenters who built all these tables. Oh in my that God, area. they yes. do exist. Yes, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> you want to tell everyone how to be a member of the Funniest Thing Club? If you're a listener, we could pretty much guarantee that you're probably already a member of the Funniest Thing Club without even realizing it. Yes, and I'm just going to read to you what that what that imp- what that implies. Yes. Okay. We're a group of truth enthusiasts who live each day as ambassadors of God's love. As we consciously radiate love, we perform everyday miracles and experience better than expected outcomes. If you're already living this way or strive to, then you may consider yourself a member. We motivate one another by simply sharing how miracles occurred naturally in our circumstances as the result of living lovingly and expectantly. Oh, my God. You know, I'll share a quick miracle that happened by living lovingly and expectedly. I found my um, red carpet uh, spray that Nancy Norman gifted us with. It's Bach like flower spray, right? Bach it's flowers, that. yeah. It's like essential whatever, oils of some sort, flowers. And uh, we spray it and we say – I've told – we talked about it before. I use it just because – I don't know what it does, but it feels really good. It smells really good. It gives me like a reviving feeling when I do it. So, and then I just defer, I say it red carpet, and I realize all of life, if we live childlike with childlike faith, is like a red carpet because it's just a gift to be alive. And we're all yeah. it's a we're all celebrities. I mean, we're all worthy of the kingdom. So, I u- I found it in my car. I hadn't seen it in a while, so I used it. And then I was almost I noticed this is almost done. What am I going to do? And then I said, I better call Nancy and get the recipe and then it didn't feel good because i was like i don't want to make her explain it again and what if she doesn't remember and it's just because it felt like stress yeah and i didn't want to manage this i just said you know what i'll find the recipe she sent it to us once before yes so two hours later i met with you i think for coffee real quick and i said you know i'm gonna go home but i'm gonna go to get my car washed and on the back seat of my car, I haven't even been vacuuming it lately because usually it's so crowded over there. But there was one spot. I said, oh, I'll get the sand because I surf yeah. so much. And in the back seat, there's a card. And I'm like, wait, did, did I forget to open a card? Because sometimes yeah. guests will lovingly send us Starbucks yeah. cards. And I could tell it was like fat envelope. I open it up or I grab it. And it turns out to be the Nancy Norman card. Somehow it was in the back seat on the floor with the recipe for the red carpet spray. And it all came about just two hours earlier. I go, you know what? I'm not going to stress about it. Some way or another, I'm going to find that answer will come to me. And it came to me two hours later in the most unexpected way. So thanks again to Nancy Norman for the red carpet spray and for the all the love and the tithing. It's amazing. Well, we'll have to let our listeners know. Uh, if you're interested in what the red carpet spray is, you can just click the contact button at DarylAndEd.com. And we'll send you the the, oh, yeah. the recipe, and even better, get on the um, Unity Joy of Life. Is that right? Unity Joy of Life, right? Yeah. dot org. Unity Joy of Life dot org. Every Tuesday, it's four a.m. Uh, this no, is all Pacific Thursday. time. Uh, Thursday. Thursday, excuse me. Thursday, four a.m. Pacific, four p.m. Pacific, 
or 7 a.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Correct. Uh, Reverend Nancy Norman has an amazing infinite prosperity class that's free. On Zoom. You know, you can tithe if you like. It's on Zoom, and she always shares all this great information. Indy attends, Daryl attends, Stephen Tom Thorpe attends. It's just one hour. It's just a boost of metaphysical truth, and you can get the um, the, the recipe for the red carpet spray for yourself there as well. Let's let's bless the Patreon contributions that are paying for our time here at Chobo Studios and Jeff Comfort out in Kansas City, Kansas. Thank you all who are contributing through patreon.com forward slash funniest thing monthly. Yeah, because you're allowing us to continue to do this and continue to share it and bless others. Yeah, for 10 years, this has just been a mission of love and sharing. Um, and we want to just keep it fun because we this is not we don't want any false pretense about this. We don't we're not trying to fit into any boxes. We're actually just trying to deliver this. Our desire is to deliver this truth in the way that it has blessed us. That's why we bring on guests like Steve and Bruni. That's why we're in this amazing studio. That's why we keep the production just keeps getting better and better. So thanks to all those contributions, we just take a moment to magnify and multiply those contributions and the wealth awareness the prosperity mindset and everyone involved with this show so that because each one of us has a funniest thing within ourselves a mission a message something that we want to share a gift no matter what it looks like no matter how it feels we just really by taking a moment to think affirmatively we are magnifying and multiplying the truth of our worthiness and that it never changes that is principle we are all divinely worthy we have all been divinely selected to be here. We have chosen to be here to do something, and we're just waking up to what that is. And it's childlike. It's not – it is within us. It's joy within us. Emma Fox talks about it. All along, something's been whispering in your ear. You know who you are. It's just a matter of having the confidence and the conviction to live it and trust it and watch doors open as a result. So that's what the show's all about. So thanks again to the Patreon contributors. May as well thank Jeff Comfort right now. Yep. He's out there in Kansas City, Kansas, because each week. Well, he's the responsible for uploading the audio, um, putting the sound effects into the audio. Yeah, so if you're listening to this anywhere where you listen to podcasts, Jeff Comfort is the one responsible for that for the past 10 years. Yeah, he used to sit uh, with us every episode and sort of on the, you know, do what Indy was doing. And um, so now, uh, but now he's out there in Kansas City, Kansas. And each week, he takes us right into the comfort zone. Wait, let's thank Indy since we're doing this right now. Indy, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Saturday's my favorite day. Love you guys. Love you too. Are you enjoying spending a little time in the studio here with Stephen Bruni? Oh, always, always cool to hang out with Bruni. Yeah, man. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, okay. So what do you want to do now? Well, now we got our, our three breaths, oh, Ed. You know what? Should we do these? Or oh, do you okay. want to just do we, got, we can do our three breaths and then our mail. Okay, do you remember our three breaths? Yeah, where did these come from? How did, where did this inspiration This is modified um, Cohen's. Alan Cohen. That's right. We don't have the reading with us, but no. it was all about um, how, oh, he was faced with a bill for a printer that was like 800 bucks. Yeah. And he kept no, affirming with his assistant. There's, There's a better a way. way. It's a yeah, cheaper way. Yeah, it's just yeah. not. And it went from eighty eight 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 hundred and eighty dollars. They just kept blessing and asking different people, and it turned into an eighty eight eighty eight dollar oh, job yeah. instead of eight hundred and eighty. Yes. And then the reading just reminded us that we don't have to agree to that which doesn't feel good to us. We can keep, like, we can keep affirming 
that there's better for us and, and stay open to it. And it, you know, we can get uh, the best out of life, right? Yeah. And leave the rest. We don't have to argue with the, the worst part of it. We don't have to argue with the people who are doing stuff that's distasteful to us. No, that's let them have not, it. That's not how Andrew of Wham would have functioned, is it? No, let them have it. Daryl was just giving me a sermon on a documentary about Wham that he watched. And yes. uh, Jesus figure was Andrew. Yes, he was. Because, because he was, his whole thing was, we're only gonna, they only did what felt joyful. Yeah. The whole thing and everything, like even coming with the name Wham, he said, oh, it just tickled us. So we thought that's perfect for the name then. And everything that was a success yes. that they did was directly, um, if you could trace it back, to them just f staying with the joyful and not caring what other people were saying they should be doing or shouldn't. And he just said, oh, it was all just about exuberance and having yes. the confidence to just do what we thought was fun for us. Right. And yeah. That's childlike faith, isn't it? Yes. All right. So if we're facing, we're getting caught up in some sort of stressful situation, remember, we can agree with the best and just leave the rest, right? Okay. Let's take a breath. Ah. Uh, I agree with the best and leave the rest. Ah. Uh, I agree with the best and leave the rest. <sighs> I agree with the best and leave the rest. <sighs> You know, yes. the angels have sung, I hope. I wanted to say, but I mentioned my students earlier, one particular student, Josue, uh, he really um, has taught me about childlike faith because each day he comes and he wants to FaceTime my wife, my mom and dad on my phone. He gra and he says, he, he speaks generally in like one short sentences. Words. Yeah. yeah one and so... He's actually transformed my life because he doesn't have this head full of dread that's telling him, I, you know, like, like sometimes I do. Like, it's not a good time to call them or, or what if whatever. they say this or yeah. what if I, or all these memories of like that I like go through before. Should I call someone? He's just like, I'm going to lovingly call them. So every day now we've been calling my mom and dad on the FaceTime and they're so happy to hear from him. And he's so happy. My dad's been going through stuff with his health. So it's like. There's just been this loving connection that's just based on lovingly reaching out. No, like, no tally sheet of no. should I, shouldn't I. It's just pure love. And, and he, this guy is so amazing. He's like my personal assistant. He likes to make sure my hair looks right. He puts away my stuff for me. He knows where my lunch goes. And I think a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable enough with him. Like, you know, the dark cloud and education of, like, all these boundaries and like uh, fears about what the, the people might manipulate him because of his, you know, sincerity or his openness. And it's like, instead of empowering him, yeah, oftentimes he's like shut down from doing the thing he does best, which is just being this incredibly pure, loving light. But because that's not the way I work and I have my, my Romanian assistant on me, we're just like two 
joyful dummies walking around just appreciating our students. And now, uh, teacher Josue runs the art lesson. He does. I let him just, I've just allowed that. I mean, I've just said yes to him doing what he loves. And it's, I don't see him as someone who has some sort of eligibility for spe a special education. I, mean, I just see him as this amazing person who's teaching me how to be childlike and unconditionally loving and stop being so much in my head and just shine, you know, and that's all he does. And he saw me dancing one day and now he's been teaching me how to dance based on this cumbia music and these videos. And one day he caught me dancing by the microwave just like because the music was on and he goes, Ed good job and he gave me two <laughs> thumbs up but i felt like his spirit was like you're getting it you gotta relax you're finally dude. getting it. yeah yeah so i just wanted to give a shout out to him for this because he has been embodying this episode for me this week and helping me to become a better person as a result it's amazing so are you gonna read cupferly for us oh yeah cupferly well this goes right along with uh my teacher mr Josue. um so the book is called god will see you through mary l cupferly um if you really want to get just like childlike medicine get this book god will see you through every chapter is just simple uh truth teaching yes. and it says a friend recently a friend said recently i used to spend my time asking why why has this difficulty come into my life now even though a challenge may take time and patience for its outworking i put all of the energy of my thought and feeling into the words thank you god Sometimes I need to say them a hundred times a day to keep myself up and on the beam. As a result, I have an inner peace and freedom that amaze me. Good is happening and daily demonstrations are evident. Charles Fillmore writes, The highest form of prayer is to open our mind and quietly realize that the one omnipresent intelligence knows our thoughts and instantly answers. Even before we have audibly expressed our desires, this being true, we should ask and at the same time give thanks that we have already received. Begin this process now so that miracles can flow into your life and affairs. Say thank you, God, if when even a little light dawns or a small degree of understanding comes through. Yes, it's believing we've already received it is the childlike faith and just knowing it's going to happen. Yeah. And then when we get little signs of land, Instead of discounting, oh, this isn't exactly what I wanted. No, see it as a, that it's that it's evidence that it's signs of land. Yes. You know, I got to say this next line, which I didn't highlight, but it, it made me think of Dugan. Because the next line, which I didn't read, also says, say it in the face of apparent setback or disappointment. That's childlike faith, right? To, and that's what Josue is showing me, like, He's not happy because of things that are going on around him. It's just a light that's shining from within him. And it's not at all affected by what's going on around him. And that is really what these teachings are all about. And that's why Dugan used to say when something happens, what was his line for you? I wonder what wonderful thing's going to come of this. Yeah. And it would. We've been reading a book lately, a new one, folks. Is this, oh, this one's yours. A new one oh, called... Yeah. Ed was almost afraid to say it. Yes, it's the oh shit factor, ladies and gentlemen. By Jerry Jampolsky. Yes. He's a great author. Yeah, he's a child and adult psychiatrist. He's, he's won awards from some of the highest academics yeah. for his work with uh, children with terminal illnesses. Yeah, he's. At the Center for Attitudinal 
Attitudinal, Attitudinal healing. healing. Attitudinal we healing. both love the book, Love is Letting Go of Fear and Say Goodbye to Guilt. And yes. my personal experience when I worked with a 20-year-old who was in jail trying to earn his diploma, I've mentioned it before, but there's a book called Forgiveness, I think, by him or yep. something about forgiving. And it blew my student's mind. He started reading it. It transformed the whole situation. The guard started letting me give him things that like yep. books and things that he I wasn't allowed to give because before it was all through the phone through this book and then he started handing it out to the other people that were in that area. And so these things have, are powerful, man. So we love Jerry Jampolsky who's no longer in his body, but we just got this book. The title of that book was uh, Forgiveness, the Great Greatest Healer of All. Yeah, it was cool to see a, a 19 or 20 year old young guy with tattoos on his eyelids being like, he was he loved Jerry Jampolsky like Fazaro loved Kiss in the uh, 70s. I don't know if I I think I love Gerald Jampolsky more than Kiss. Okay. <laughs> well, so last night, you know how we recommend reading like two pages of something spiritual or positive before mm -hmm. you go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. So this one's been my before I go to bed at night reading and you know, we don't know what we're going to read between the time we have the decision of what the show topic's going to be to the time we do the show. So last night I was reading Wait, are you going to tell the, are you going to read the part why he chose this word? Just cuz I want to say like if oh. you if you like this word, he chose this word shit to be visceral. I, I don't, do we even say the title? By the way, it's called the oh shit factor. Yes, you mentioned Waste that. management for our minds. Yeah, so he intentionally, I mean this is a, I think the last book maybe he wrote. Yes. And he was just like, "You know what? I'm going to lay it on the line." the way it's really meant to, you can take it or leave it, but this is how, because like we always say, well, you got to get past the rational mind. Of like, oh my God, yeah. Like, and get into, uh, Bruni was sharing about talking to someone about this. Like, you just got to get into what is the real, and where is the real energy? And so he yes. intentionally chose that word. Stop beating around the bush. Stop beating around the bush. So go ahead. So one of the paragraphs I read last night, and, it, and the whole thing is, the book makes it clear that you got to realize these negative thoughts and ideas and condemnation and regret and guilt, it's all like shit, literally, in our minds. Yes. And we can let go of it. We can get rid of it. But if you consider it, with, and he likes using it, it's a visceral wor word. So you're like, oh, God, yeah, that's yeah. what. So it helps you to like, wait a minute, I don't want to put any more of that S-H-I-T in my mind yeah. and yeah because you got to see it for as really being as distasteful as it is because it's easy to be like oh it's okay that i'm thinking this no but i was just going through that this morning just really admitting to myself i feel terrible with what's going on in my head and i had to like be honest with myself so last night i read this part allowing negative thoughts to linger in our minds interferes with our health and well-being as well as with how we feel about and experience ourselves and others Condemning thoughts, including self-condemnation. And then it goes on. Interfere with our compassion and kindness and keep us in an unforgiving state of mind. But I misread that last night. I thought it said, because it says, condemning thoughts, and then in parentheses, including self-condemning. And before I drifted to sleep, I thought it was saying the truth that condemning thoughts are self-condemning yeah. any condemning thoughts so when i woke up this morning so true and knowing what the show is about remember we all recommend you do a morning routine and after the morning routine whatever inspired thoughts or something i read that really seemed to wake up my mind and 
give me a good intention, I'll jot down in my book. Uh, we couldn't do the show without the morning routine. No. I think Bruni will agree. I see Indy nodding his head. There's it's, there's no show. There's no nothing. It's not we're not magic guys who like well, no. we we got hit on the head with a coconut and suddenly we saw God and now every thought we have is in No. No, we have to do morning routine otherwise this this show is just yeah. would just be gibberish. Ed didn't see a weather vane and started walking in the proper direction That's he was pointing. Right. At. That's right. <laughs> yeah, most of the time I walk the opposite direction. So I'm to, learning. So as a for myself in the morning I was like, "Oh, that's such a good thing to know that any condemning thought any like the guy in traffic is self-condemning so true so i wrote this for me but you could use it for you and sometimes i'll when we write postcards this is another reason why we like writing postcards and for the past two weeks i visited ed's class it's been amazing to do postcards with the kids where we make create our own postcards and then yes. you mail them because you get to write things that you need to be reminded of. You're writing these postcards for yourself by saying nice things, sharing nice things with others. Yes, yeah, excuse so, me. I'm gonna I'm gonna send Indy a picture from the first postcard writing session so yes. that he can put it in there. You'll see how much the much our students, who are young men, loved doing it with you. I'm just so uh, so when Ed and I, that's why we like writing postcards to Kirk or other people, friends of ours, because it gets us to write this stuff down. And But we're actually reinforcing in ourselves. So I wrote this to myself, and then I rewrote it as a postcard to Kirky. Right. And I shared it with Ed this morning, and now I'm going to share it with you. And I wrote to myself, any condemning thoughts are self-condemning. Today I am well aware of my propensity to condemn. I'm reminding my. I have to admit that I have yes. a I have a propensity to condemn, yes. and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And it's not something I like to admit, but it's true. My mind has become my mind. It can fall and lapse into that habit, right, of condemning things. Yes. So I wrote. My goal for today is to resurrect my childlike faith to live out this day joyfully convinced. Like with that naive right. Charlotte, joyfully convinced that God is always for me. Nothing is against me. Yes. And that really helps me eliminate the need to condemn. Because if I'm really, and I can even feel my mood change when I think of knowing, wait a minute, if I'm like that, like how I felt as a child, knowing, ooh, it's going to like work out yeah. or we're going somewhere fun and like I just right. know it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's always true for all of us. Ed just read it uh, in the last thing he read with oh, yeah. believing we've already received it. And just so you know, well, that's not practical in business. Well, funniest thing, folks, coincidentally, the other day I was with Ed and I just happened to open this book. It's a business book mm -hmm. called How to Think Like a Millionaire. And I couldn't believe if you're thinking, yeah, but, you know, in business you still have to, you know, manage things and sure. think and figure things out. Sure. You can't just... You can't just be Pollyanna. Oh my God! Most businesses, like they're the way they run themselves, especially like in public education, but in a lot of things, yeah. it's like yeah, they they everything's overcomplicated. The corporate model and this, what I call the myth of accountability, which means like evidence-based, database. Yes, this has made things so overcomplicated because it's just taken over so many uh, businesses. It's crazy. Well, here it is in this book in chapter six. They go on to say, 
They're referencing another book called In Search of Excellence, and it discusses the paradox of simplicity. Many of today's managers, masters of business administration, trained and the like, may be a little bit too smart for their own good. The smart ones are the ones who shift direction all the time based upon the latest output from the expected, va from the expected value equation. The ones who juggle hundred variable models with facility. Yes. The ones who design complicated incentive systems. The ones who wire up matrix structures. The ones who have 200 page strategic plans and 500 page marketing requirement documents that are but step one in product development exercises. Our dumber friends, in quotes, yes. are different. They just don't understand why customers can't have personalized service, even in the potato chip business. They are personally affronted when a bottle of beer goes sour. They can't understand why a regular flow of new products isn't possible, or why a worker can't contribute a suggestion every couple of weeks. Simple-minded fellows, really. Simplistic, even. Yes, simplistic has a negative connotation. But the people who lead the excellent companies are a bit simplistic. Yes. To believe that we can make as much money as we want, to believe in our dreams, to disregard negative people, we need a good dose of naivety na and simplicity. People who are too rational or intelligent can succeed, but their intelligence can limit the degree of their success if it limits in any way, the vast field of their dreams. Yeah, it's all what you say. Serious is uh, is fear pretending to be an adult. Yes. When you talk about all of those, the the things that the, the the numbers they have to run. It's it's really the fear of of losing, the fear of not getting it right, the fear we have to. It's all fear. And then it's like this nonsensical but like seemingly rational way of seeing things have come in and go don't worry we'll make sure you never fail don't worry we have insurance for all of that and it's all hogwash man it's it's making it's costing businesses more money yeah because now they have to buy and implement all these systems and then they have to have all this insurance and all it's co it's costing more manpower it's it's killing more good ideas we really need to be more childlike and we'll wrap this up i wanted to read one paragraph from the oh shit factor which we just were reading in the green room and because it's it's all about changing what's going on between our own ears. And it's a, he says, in order to have a life that really works and has meaning, we must find ways to get rid of the shit that we put into our minds that subsequently pollutes the world. The world is drowning and being destroyed by our collective mental gar garbage. By getting our own shit together, we can learn to live in harmony with others and become more consistently happy, creative, and successful in everything we do. And the activity he recommended to one of his clients was... Imagine, to get rid of the shit in your brain, you're unscrewing the top of your head, you take out your brain and put it into the sink, and you see all this crap in there. In the crevices. In the crevices. Because that's how distasteful this stuff and how detrimental these thoughts, these thoughts really yeah. are. And then you're washing it all clean. And, the and he said, the water is forgiveness. Ah. It's all just forgiving ourselves. Just admit Wash that brain. Instead of putting on a suit and pretending it's data and we have to do it this way, just admit it. You're scared. You feel uncomfortable. You're using this stuff to bully people and give yourself value. Just be yourself, man. Childlike faith is the belief that yes. you can be yourself and prosper.
And that's the most powerful thing because everyone wants to be themselves and prosper. You gotta wash that shit right out of your brain. I'm gonna wash that shit right out of my brain and send it on its way. What the heck? Are you ready? Is this the one you gave me? No. No, this isn't the one. (laughs) This one's amazing. No, it's right here. I got a card. This card from Kirky's amazing. I don't know if I can read it on the air. This one from Kirky says, the course teaches us, that's the course of miracles, we can only have what we're willing to give away. We make room in our hearts for more each time we give away what we really want. It's a wonderful principle to live by. It eliminates the fear of scarcity that plagues many of us. And that's yes. by Karen Casey. Give it away, give it away, give, give it, it away, away now. now. That's Andrew Kiedis, a.k.a. Anthony Kiedis, Daryl's friend. <laughs> um, we got Lois Conklin that came through. Today we will be a wonder- Today will be a wonderful day for me. And for all those that I meet and greet. Happy July 2023 to you, Daryl and Ed, and all that connect to Funniest Thing. Every week I love meeting your guests, and I am amazed at all the great people that cross your path and that you share with us. Hope to come on the next Zoom call as I am back on Patreon. In his love and care, Lois Conklin. Lois is talking about uh, Tuesday Zoom prosperity class we've been doing for all the patreon contributors so you can jump on for as low as three dollars a month or even yeah. anything you want really yeah. but the buttons are there three five ten twenty five so get on there and contribute because i mean we've been dedicating our lives to this for 10 years we're i mean because we benefit so much yeah. from it so jump on the train it's a fun train to be on this one um we got you know, another card yeah, we this got week. a nice contribution from janet prince and a card, and she said, sending light, love, and laughter, laughs and prosperity. Janet Prince, dear Daryl and Ed, thank you for being a source of inspiration, love, and light, and joy. I recently purchased a Roku, so now I can see your beaming faces on the big screen. Yeah, you could watch us on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, and my student, Josue, sent me a picture of him watching us on YouTube on his big screen from his house the other day. So we're getting a lot of love and we love it and we appreciate it we can't wait to talk to Stephen bruni after the break because coming up next tender-hearted tough guy Stephen bruni joins us at the kids table with today's reading unlimited and a lot of great stuff to inspire you so thank you for listening to funniest thing with daryl and ed live from chobo studios We now return to The Funniest Thing. Here are your hosts, Daryl and Ed, the best-looking guys on the radio. All right, welcome. You made it to the second segment of today's episode, which is the unlimited power of childlike faith with... Stephen Bruni. How you doing, buddy? Man? All right. Better now that I'm here with you guys. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, man. We are so excited you came. Every time you come, you bring the joy. Also, just the practical application of this stuff. And I always feel better. Me too. Yeah, man. What a great episode so far. I liked what you said earlier. I want to make sure we don't forget about the management yes. you know, part. Because we oh, read about yes. managing and managers who are more childlike and believe. Yeah. The thing was about the reading is that they believe these simple, silly things that like every customer deserves yeah. that, instead of, well, we don't have enough man. You know, like they have, yeah. they don't come up with reasons just for why simple. something can't be, right? Yes. So what was that part and that you- And then they said something, um, 
like I always want to ask why. And I said, why is the manager question? And I heard, mm -hmm. so, and I heard a guy say, guy say to me, uh, he said, why is a manager question? And I'm no longer the manager, so I don't need to be asking why, I just do. Yes. And I love that. You know what else I was thinking when you guys were talking about it? I'd say probably, I don't know, five or six years ago, me and Fazaro were having lunch at our old favorite place, Cafe Brazil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had a guy meet, meet us there, and I was going to mentor this guy. And he was arguing with Fazaro about how right he was about something. And Fazaro finally said, you can have it. No problem. You can be right. And he just just gave it up. Let go. Yeah, yeah. And the guy just kept arguing. We walked out and 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 remember George Costanza. Yeah. Remember he looked yeah, like we George Costanza. Yeah, we called Costan him George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> he looked just like George Costanza, oh, and he wow. was so 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 serious. And we walked out, and Fazaro looked at me. He said, "I don't know why this guy just keeps trying to get smarter. My goal is just to get dumber every day." Uh, and it just reminded me of yeah. this of this when you guys were talking about it, because it's that whole childlike thing. Like the childlike thing is like it's not that I need to get smarter or better, just like the business guy yeah. said. It's the the idea of getting more innocent, yeah. more pliable to life, dumber as far as like I don't need to know what's going on or what the yeah. why is. I just got to go with the intuitive feeling and flow. And I, it just like, it encapsulated the whole show for me when I was thinking about it. Yeah, and these inspired ideas for how we can do things and how we can treat people, similar like the way I'm treating my students and I'm getting such better results, but you have to be like, Fazaro's talking about dumb enough or childlike enough to be like, oh, that seems easy and that sounds like it'll work. Yeah. Instead of the voice that's going, nah, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the sign on the wall. Look at the studies. It's just like, no, but it's obvious that we can do it this way. You know, that's like the Tao of Pooh that, um, you know, that book that came out about Taoism is about Winnie the Pooh. Is that well? I thought it was another oh shit. Oh yeah, factor. it goes well with those. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> but it was just showing Tao how Winnie the Pooh would just flow with life, and like the idea of Taoism is that life is always flowing in a positive direction, and and we just have to be childlike enough to flow with it and not overthink it and it's all stories about how like you know the kings and the aristocracy would always be overthinking everything and then they were more like the simple people are like yeah but i'd rather just live this way and, and i feel richer living this way and uh, you know all this good comes to me because i'm willing to just see the obvious really you know and cooperate with it and it's always flowing for my benefit yeah yes. right never not for my benefit i i um i had a friend calling me the other day and we were talking and his head was spinning, like you were saying yours was the other day, Ed, right? Just spinning, spinning, spinning. And I asked him a question. I said, um, have you ever like been spinning on something in your head and it ever made the situation better? Mm -hmm. Ever. And he said, never, never yeah. has it ever made That's anything so better. Because if it made anything better, then I would say like, by all means, spin yeah. away. Yes. But it's only made situations worse the tighter I try to get yeah. my grip on any situation. When I finally just do the and release it, it'll take care of itself. It's just like the card, right? The red carpet spray. If you would have tried to finagle Find it or it, make yeah. it work, maybe she would have had it, maybe she didn't. Then you would have got frustrated and you yeah. know, the chain effect. Yeah. Instead of just letting go, all of a sudden the card pops up. And yeah, and it made me trust in life more by doing it the way I did it. And you know, that's a perfect, what you're talking about spinning. It is like, it's a spin class. We get on a bike in our head yes. and ride our asses off and do a sweat. But we haven't gone anywhere. Nowhere. The whole time. No more spin classes. So, I mean, that might be fine if you're trying to get in shape for your bathing suit or whatever you want to do. But in when you're trying to actually get somewhere mentally in the world, you might want to get on a bike that's actually going to take you somewhere. It's and just like you said about, the, what, what's the book called again? The Oh Shit Factor? Yeah. Yes. 
imagine putting the oh shit factor brain like the analogy you had with all that over my brain into just a spin cycle right it doesn't go away it just spins more of it it doesn't doesn't ever move you gotta rinse it you gotta rinse it you gotta rinse it (laughs) you know what what you just said Bruni about you know these things spinning your head this is a book I have I I bought it at an airport years ago you know you, the little yes. book mm-hmm. and it just said believe you can the power of positive like, okay that'll be good for a plane ride it got right. you it got you on the drive-by yeah so uh and it's really good i i don't often look at it but it's one of those ones i recommend because you can always just pull a page up and best. it's not heavy so it's great for when you're on a plane no fluff no fluff and here he quotes a guy a name william ward showed the difference between faith and worry. Because when we're worrying, that's when we're spinning and making bigger deals of things. Yes. And he said, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Mm. Worry is a magnet that attracts negative conditions. Faith is more powerful force that creates positive circumstances. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. And to wrap it up, both enthusiasm and pessimism are contagious. How much of each do you spread? Our attitudes, I love this, I've never heard it like this before. Our attitudes tell others what we can expect in return. A laugh a day keeps the negative away. Have you ever heard of like our attitude tells others what we expect in return? So when we have a negative attitude, right. we're actually saying, "Okay, right. I want more negativity." What was the other red the, the line before that you read about defeat? Oh, uh, defeat, defeat, defeat. Oh, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Do you know what's so interesting about that? I, I was just thinking when you read it, have you met those people that let's say they get fired from their job and they just talk about it and talk about it and Ugh. talk about it and talk and you, everyone, they just, everyone yes. they meet, they can't wait to tell you how yeah. right they were because they don't want to admit the defeat. Yeah. But until I admit the defeat and say, okay, I give yeah. up, the next thing can't is not come. coming. That's yeah, right. I'm just blocking it off right. because no one's trying to give me, like you said, I, like the attitude. They're believing in defeat. And the attitude invites how other people yes. should trust me. If I'm going around saying, oh man, I really messed up in my old job, I'm ready to do do something different then people, people go, that you're talking to are like oh i know you. a guy that has yes. this job but if i go the other way right and yeah. i'm thinking like oh these people fired me it was their fault i didn't do anything no one's going to be like no. you seem like a right. great employee let me give you a new job so i've right. just done that with my attitude towards those people to like yeah. let them know i'm off limits i'm, I'm no I'm well not even now you're making me see it because as you were saying i was realizing what my mind was doing you're actually getting people to do the highest form of prayer for you or against you because they're immediately going to start visualizing yeah. you yep. as you're telling the story. That's so right. when you're talking about, oh, my old job, they defensive, were all jerks. Defensive, all, defensive. Yeah, yep. And I'm seeing Bruni in this negative job. I think Bruni is negative and the whole thing. But if you go, you know what? I got my last job. I got fired. I know what I did wrong, but you know what? I'm looking forward to a change. And now I'm seeing, ooh, I wonder, like my mind is automatically looking forward for you, with you, unintentionally. It's almost like that Neville reading. The Neville reading we were reading before the show, right? Remember the last line of it is like, picture him like smiling when he got the job, when it looked like it, like that fits. Yeah, yeah, find that. I got it right here. So we got from um, Even just those last few lines, it's perfect. 
Uh, this is from a letter we got from Reverend Michael Schoonover. So he's talking about, you know, seeing as if you already had it. And he said, right. if you have a friend who would like to be gainfully employed, listen carefully. And he means in your visualizations. Listen carefully until you hear his voice tell you of his new position. Feel his hand clasps yours. See the smile on his lips. Use every sense you can possibly bring to bear into the imaginal scene. And just like you just said, when somebody is on the negative tone when they're talking to you about yeah. something, it's hard for t to visualize them yes. like that. But when somebody's on the other side, like, I know the next thing's going to be great. You're Without I, even yes, trying, my, yes. automatically I'm visualizing that, yeah. which like is, once again, my attitude's telling other people yeah. how to be. It proves 100%. it's contagious. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been... One of my intentions with my new job that, or whatever I'm gonna do next, or even just the way I approach where I am now is, I realize I don't wanna fall into the trap of being um, this proclaiming how defeated I was by the public schools and you know what I mean and going down that road and that's why, that that's what I needed to say to give myself permission to leave. Now, I'm looking at it more of like, like someone we read recently that said, view yourself as an important, very important person. like. Would an important person talk about it that way? The important person to me would say, you know, I loved it. I love the job. There's, there's certain things, the way they do things that really doesn't work for me. Yeah. I appreciate the time there. I appreciate all the good about it. I'm kind of looking for something where I could do more of this and more of this. I loved uh, it. just becomes one becomes creative. The other becomes like. Uh, just a justification, Ugh. like thinking I need to go negative to justify myself moving on to something different that Doesn't I don't work. need to do. And that. I think the faith is the initiator. Of yeah. That, right. And it happened to me this week. So I got a phone call uh, from one of the other jobs that I do to get a, to do a couple days worth of work. And I had already said in the beginning of summer, like I'm just tattooing all summer. I want to work work on my home life. I want to be yeah. home. I want to work on my 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 art. I want to just do that. And the idea comes in like, ooh, some more money. Should I take this right. money? And it was like I, I took a second and I paused and I said you know what I'm just gonna have faith that it works out and I'm gonna say nope give that to somebody else that, else that needs yeah. money I'm making money here I'm fine this is already the commitment I made yeah. and funny enough is I wasn't completely booked out next week and I was gonna go to Kansas two weeks from now to go tattoo at a friend's shop mm. and, and I, t I text him right after I had told them no that I didn't want to go take that other job and uh, I texted him I said are we still on for the 15th immediately after making that decision of saying no i don't want to do it he said i'm extremely busy and he is there any way you could fly out here before that to do that and now i'm leaving tomorrow instead of next week because wow. it's there and it's available this yeah. is the thing it's so hard to do to say no to what we don't really want even though it seems good right. so then something even greater yeah but it comes but it always it always happens works. it's it's never sometimes it happens right. it, it always, always happens and it usually happens faster when i don't expect it yeah when i just step out on faith blindly yes. all of a sudden mm. poof, Boom. the universe yeah just right that fast yeah. and it's like if i'm just aware enough to go wow Wow, again, 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 I consistently get proven wrong and yeah. I consistently forget that it works. Yeah. yeah. And that's the vigilant part, right? Like what yes. we were talking about before the show is like that word vigilant is is so important because it's so easy to let those thoughts, they creep in so subtly, yeah. so yeah. subtly. And I just will start spinning something that's this small. By the end of the day, it's this big that yeah. I'm spinning and I don't even realize that I've grown it that much. Yeah. So it's like that vigilant just nope. Nope, yeah. nope, turn, turn, turn. And then all of a sudden it just starts to work for me. It's wonderful. That's a great story, man. I love that. 
Yeah, I was just thinking how vigilance sometimes gets a negative. Like, yeah, we talked about this before. But it's a very positive tool. It just means. Wait, just it means to, I get to be a vigilante. No, I just mean, <laughs> but a vigilante for good in my within my mind. That's all. It means just keep turning to the light. Like, turn to the thoughts that feel good. Yeah, because it means stay awake. You stay I awake. Mean, I, that's why they used to call I think vigils. It, I think of it kind of like a sniper, right? Like, you have somebody who's, like, let's say in the army, and they just know how to shoot a gun, and they're just kind of shooting. But, like the sniper would be much more vigilant where it takes one bullet to do what a hundred bullets yes. takes from someone else. And it's like, which would I rather be very precise and vigilant? Well, it seems like that takes a lot more skill, but there's a lot more payoff at the end. Well, that goes along with what the origin of the word meaning awake, because yeah. you have to stay awake, awake to the possibilities and awake to your thinking. Like the, the snipers probably locked in, you know, locked locked in. totally vigilant. awake yeah, to absolutely. everything that's going on, a calm focused state. So then it only takes one shot. He's like Daryl's blind cat. I was just... <laughs> yes. We have yes. a cat. We adopted a cat with no eyes. Because right. sometimes as kittens, they get a disease and they have to take out the eyes and they sew them shut. Yeah. You've seen her. Oh, yeah. I know her. So her name's Eleanor. This cat knows... I don't know how that this is a table. It's this high. And how much force it takes to jump up here and not miss it. And then she also knows that this table is not 10 feet from the ground. Right. Or not one foot from the ground. And another thing, she'll play with her toys. She knows where they go. She chases them. Yeah. Um, the, and when you come in, she like, you know, you say, well, that's just because she could sense you there. But she's looking at you. It's like she has eyes. It's the crazy thing. But the amazing thing beyond all that is, A, well, she has a great attitude. But the fact that... All of a sudden, I'm like, what is she doing? She's like looking around. I go, is she like seeing ghosts? Even Lori thought this once. And all of a sudden, I see, holy cow, she's aware of this fly. And she can chase flies and catch them mm. with no sight. She like, here, here, there must be so many things going on. But it really affirms this idea of life being so much more magnificent than... I normally perceive it to be like being so much more miraculous seeing her do these things. It's like, holy cow, it really wakes me up from being complacent about what a miracle it is for me to be alive. Yeah. And it's not always about what I can see. No. That's right. Oh, that's such a good because it's always for me. I'm a, in my physicality. What can I see? Is there payoff? If I do a. Do I get B? And it's always right. like, and it's like it doesn't always, this game doesn't work like that. It's always, count, the spiritual life is always counterintuitive to everything that yeah. I've ever been taught here. I totally agree. counterintuitive. Daryl read something about the difference between a calling and the job and something recently. And what's helped me is that it's helped me to discern, like, what's the job, like in teaching, for example, what's the job and what's the calling? And it's really helped me to understand why we do some of the crazy, like we, you work with people, Daryl works with people, I work with people. And on some level, it's like my mind, from just a job perspective, is like, you know, I could find something so much easier to do than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's like some of the stuff that's not exactly always, right. you know, exactly what I'd pick, but that's where I was starting to learn about the calling part of it. It's just a, an inner calling. That, and if we keep listening and stay vigilant to that inner calling, I mean, that's why, I like, that's why I'm confident I can't wait to see what happens next for me because I started out 
doing like one-on-one -on -one work with people. And then I were, I jumped in a, a, my band moved to the Bay Area. So I got this emergency credential to teach this crazy classroom of eight to 19 year old kids. Some of them had violent behavior. Some of them, you know, most of them were nonverbal, but I learned so much about how to work with kids. Then I moved down here and ended up stumbling into this free credentialing program through LA Unified and teaching there. And then I moved to the inclusion specialist because that was kill like that got, I hit. And now uh, I've learned from all of those transitions, like what could ha what now what can happen? Because all of those led to something that was, it was really, it, it was weird. It was directly in line with what I had been enjoyably thinking about, but I had no, I, no indicator that it existed, you know what I mean, to, until it came along. So that's and I think I'm, it's yeah. so interesting that 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 each if I'm aware enough, right, of looking what's going on, each step that I take, I'm going to learn that use that lesson that I learn in that for the next one. And yeah. I'll never do it right now. I'm doing something and it's super, super uh, humbling for me. I bought an online class for some realistic drawing, which I don't I know Fazaro's real good at. I can't stand it. And it, my brain doesn't see like that. No, right? it's it's not easy. It's, it's not, not easy, easy because you really it, my brain doesn't think that way either. And I'm just saying it's commendable that you're doing it because that really takes stepping into something, committing yourself to doing something. And I remember when I first did it, but the great news is I can guarantee you once it starts clicking, you're going to be like, holy cow. And that's what my thought is, right? So I bought it and my ego doesn't want to buy it. Right. I, I can figure this out. That's what it says. Yes. So the, just the idea of putting out the money to buy it is humbling. And then sitting down because it's 72 hours is also humbling because you have to put the time in. Yeah. And right. the interesting thing is intuitively, I know I don't necessarily want to go in that direction. Yeah. But intuitively, I also know I have to go through that stage to get to the yes. direction. And I don't know why I know that, but I just know yes. that inside me yes. that like... It's going to make me better at everything I do once yeah. I learn how to do that. Yeah. And then I can sway back to whatever direction that is. And it's I, the same thing. I can tell you what it'll do. Because I didn't believe I was good enough. I was doing the cartoons at the, in the Coast Guard. And then I got accepted to school after I got out. And we had to do realistic drawing. Oh. At this, oh. And <laughs> we would have models of animal, like from the museum. Right. They'd bring in, like, you know, the taxidermed museum uh, squirrels and bears. And, and we had live. But I remember the first day it clicked. I was doing a squirrel. I'll never forget it. All of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute. I forget that this is a squirrel. And I just go aren't because it was it had to be full color aren't like a splat of orange splat of gray all of a sudden it came together wow. it was a perfect perfect photograph of a squirrel wow. even the teacher said wow that squirrel looks like it's alive instead of like stumped and then the other part was it's just seeing it not as a squirrel but as the thing like or little shapes. shapes yep yep and then the hard part the mind, I had to keep relaxing my mind. Yeah. you get stiff and you want to do lines. I had lines. to keep relaxing yep. my mind. And when you're doing the people, but this is what it gave me. It gave me now the confidence to draw any way I want now. Because I know yeah. for myself, not that it matters to anyone else. I don't have to tell anyone, but you know, right. I, could, but you know I could draw realistically. But I know that I could draw 
realistically, I have a foundation I didn't know I had. And this is the thing. It didn't take long. It was just like within six months into the school, I did it. It just, it's going to click for you like that. Like riding a skateboard. You you can't do it. You can't do it. And then one day you're on it. Like, holy cow, I can do this. And I think it's the same with everything. It's the same same with like this kind of stuff. It's the willingness. This kind of spiritual work. It's the same thing. I just put in, put in, put in, put in when it doesn't make sense. And then like you said, all of a sudden, it's going to, it's going to click. And you're going to be like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to, I was offer this opportunity that which was to take these autism classes for this certification for my credential and everyone daryl included you know it sounded terrible i didn't want to do it <laughs> but something inside me for some reason was just like don't be cheap i had to pay after 25 freaking years of doing this i started in that field i mean i i had to pay Humility but at its finest. something inside yep. me just goes just do it and what it did because like I said, I want to leave this profession not feeling like I was run out of town. And a lot of why that I was feeling run out of town was because everyone speaks this language of data. It's called applied behavioral analysis. And I know how to do it, but, and I was trained in it, but it's been a long time, right? So I, for some reason, I followed the hunch, I did it. I just made it like a fun Zoom. It was the first class I ever took where I have been doing something for 25 years and then taking a class. So I was actually, talking a lot, sharing a lot, getting a lot out of it, picking the teacher's brain. The teacher was amazing. I came away with so much more confidence, like you said. I lost all the doubt that if I wanted to do it that way, just by the, yeah, I, could. I could. I'm not a dummy, I, but there's other ways I like to do it. But I also do do that. I use yeah. those principles, but I've just evolved even beyond, and now it's like part of what I do, but it's not everything I do. And I got so much out of this thing that made no sense to me why it felt right to do it. And I'm so glad I did it, like you said, because now it's like it gives me, because what I really want to do, I do love working with these kids. I do feel like I could be speaking to other people about how to work more effectively, build relationships with these students, actual human relationships with these students. Which is how that started. It's so much better than data nonsense. Yeah, it's how it started. If you know how, I was talking to a guy, my son is studying data science. He's working at Warner Music this summer through crazy coincidences. And we were at a coffee shop on, you know Cafe Lux on Montana in Santa Monica? Yeah. It's awesome. So I just happened to speak to this guy because he was making his, coffee in this weird way where they gave him the foam and he added the espresso and drank it real fast so anyway i i was like first i was like who the hell is this guy but then i was like got high on the with talking to my son you and he mean came like outside it was the bajoric factor yeah the coffee kicked my this, this delicious cappuccino put me in jesus land i sat next to him i was like what were you doing man what's the what and he ends up talking to me and telling me he basically got injured in the army something with his throat and it's so acidic that he has to do this technique that he developed over COVID. And I think he's in, in, in um, food as well. And I think he thought I knew who he was or something because he's like, oh, are you in the food industry also? And I was like, nah, just a teacher or whatever. You know, so, but he ended up telling my son, coming over and talking to my son. He turns out he was a guy who helped get Dave Matthews signed back in the day. And he was really in the music yeah. industry. But the, all of that is to say, he said when he used to work with people that did data, like website yeah. stuff, they would, he called them the black hats or something. We'd call on these guys from Japan. They would say, what do you need us to do? And he would say, we want to get Dave Matthews at the top of Google. He said nine minutes later, Dave Matthews website was at the top, like whatever it like. Yeah. They weren't so, but he said now that everyone's studying it, 
he meets these guys. He's not in that industry anymore, but he was saying, now you meet these guys. They don't even know how to say hello. They don't understand how to connect with people. They don't even really know what the value of what they're right. doing. They're just like, we've been trained to do this. Yeah. But what's crazy is my son has fallen into this position that is just an incredible opportunity. So he was like, he blessed my son and me just to see that my son's, because my son told me, he's like, I work for 20 minutes and then I walk around and I meet everyone at Warner Music for like 30 and then I come back and work again. And I was like, dude, you're going to be successful, more successful doing that than yeah. being good at what it is because they hire you for you. Then overly stressing about yes. the other part. And yeah, so I, it's all about, that's why a lot of these principles, you got to understand where things fit into life. Because I understand the human element of working with kids, I can use the data very specific times. I use this applied behavior analysis very specific times. Otherwise, it's just me interacting with another human. I'll drop into it. If I know, like, say I'm working with Daryl, I know you have a kind of mind that's obsessed with lights and stuff. Yeah. So this is how I use it. It's like, I want you to write something. Your mind keeps going, I want to look at the lights. I go, nope, Daryl. I'll put my hand on your shoulder, prompt you, and go, um, I'll write it out on, uh, like, first write, and then look at lights. And because your mind is better at visuals, you'll go, oh, now I understand what you're asking me to do. And then I'll just give a little simple prompt. He does the writing and then you can look at the lights all you want and we can, you know, like, but it's, so it's little things I've learned, but some people that's their whole toolbox is just the, just that. So they're all, their whole time, they're just trying to interact like that, like they're a robot or something. So it's all about understanding, having this childlike faith to enjoy the full experience and then know when to use these little tools right? Like you're learning with your art, like you said, it gives you the freedom to just know that you can do it. The confidence, that's the thing, yeah. is your self-confidence, the faith in yourself to do whatever you want. Because what happens is this, this intuitive nudges draw us into something that part of our brain goes, I have no business being here. I'm not qualified for this, but the calling is reliable. That's the most important part. We need a world through education. I've learned more and more. We just need a world where people listen to the inner calling to do what they're here to do. And maybe sometimes of that, like how we were talking about the brainwashing. Sometimes for me, it's action is what washes the brain. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's putting my faith. It's putting my feet in faith directly in the, the way that I think I should be going because of that yeah. intuitive nudge. Yes. And then that does the washing on it. Yes. Own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there was an artist who said the exact opposite of following your intuition is the goal of the educational system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, he says it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Because he became a, I'm sure he became a teacher later in a positive way. And he was so aware of it's that. It's so true. He says, unfortunately... Uh, following your intuition is the exact opposite of the goal of education. <laughs> well, that's why I love my students. Sometimes they'll just say something with joy in their hearts and this teacher's like, that's not what we're doing right now. But if you listen, they're the one who's more in tune with what's going on and they're saying it with joy, but it's not the serious thing we're doing right now. I mean, you talked about Ken Robinson, that guy, uh, Sir Ken Robinson. He's not alive Sir in Ken his body Ro anymore. Oh, but that guy's amazing. He speaks amazing. about how basically public education has become not it didn't intend to be this way but the death of creativity oh yeah and like intentionally cutting that out and you like you don't get creative with this you do it the way we say otherwise it's not right you know yeah. and 
I mean, that's my wife has often told me in the past, dude, you, you, the next Ken Robinson, you got to get up there. And I, and I feel that it's like, we're coming for you. That's what I'm thinking about with this data. Like the creatives, it took us a while. We got thrown off by all this data and they, you know, like data, data, data. But it's like the creatives, this truth teaching, we're coming for you. No, like we're going to bring back this spirit well, because it's what it's, makes things go. And I think it's definitely right. Like if I thought about like an expression of God, it wouldn't be in data. No, it would be in creativity anytime, you know, because that's where the intuitive nudge comes when I'm in that state of flow, when I'm in that that mode of like teaching and people and, you know, like in in like from a creative standpoint, that's where I get those things that come out of my mouth where I'm like, I didn't even know that. How did I just say that? Yes. You know what I mean? I don't get that from data ever. It doesn't it doesn't flow from that side. Yeah. Yeah. Data is an afterthought. (laughs) And data is often we talked about this data is often somebody who studied somebody else who did it intuitively yep. yeah, and then try to figure out how to mimic it. But like you said, right, is that, that you would use that data that you would get from those classes, but most of the time it comes from your spirit yes. just because you know people and you'll use yeah. the data. And it's like, that's the idea is like, how do I tap back into that that yeah. I already know? Well, right? it's not new yeah. news to me. It's like, and you can't pay for that. It's only through experience that I'd be able to know how to act. And what I've learned from this class is a lot of people mishandle data. They just quote studies. They talk about data. They're not even pre- they're not presenting data that is actually contextual contextualized properly. It's not accurate. But everyone else in the room gets like under this hypnosis and stuck because they get cut off from their Stiff own knowing. And tight. Ugh. Data was a through all this exploration. And I've been speaking out more. I've been calling people out at meetings. Not not like, but in a loving way. Like I told someone, the data you just showed us is not even relevant to us as a group. First of all, we're not going to say we ended up having a conversation with this lady who was who was hired by the district and she ended up kind of like giving up. We didn't end up doing the, the, the her plan because we were all we were I w- I'm getting better and better at like I'm listening to this data. Like I'm going to buy this. This class is strengthen me to be I got when I hear data doesn't mean someone's a professional. They may not even be using the data properly. And so I what I remembered through all this is that data was originally supposed to help the people who knew what they were doing to get a little more precise. But if you don't know what you're doing, like if you don't have the spirit of what you're doing and you're just using the data, you're out of your ass. There's no like there's no practicality to it, mm. right? Like it was originally a fine-tuning mechanism to help people who already were like, you know what I mean, in the spirit, the way we're talking about doing. And it was just like what we said earlier, right? Like, like I was mentioning to you guys before the show, I had a friend call me telling me something, and he answered my question, and I said, "Well, that sounds fluffy, but what else you got that's practical?" Yeah, right. Because I don't remember fluffy, and to me, data is fluffy. I don't care about yeah. it. it; doesn't hold. But like an analogy, like the mind washing, or a like something somebody saying yeah. something that's really practical that I can actually use. Um, those I can use, which means that like it's just better, better data, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> well. Yeah. Every out external calculating mechanism is only a cheap version of what our brain is doing instantaneously all the time. Yep. Every technology is just mimicking our own intelligence. So why not rely on the original, the OG, as you would call it, the original uh, yeah. brain? That's incredible. This divine mind is running data all the time, but it's just doing it in a, a far more advanced way where we just have to trust it. And that's why it's so important to do what we love because – Daryl and I and you, we have this irrational desire to read and understand these truth teachings, run it through our lives, practice it, talk about it, laugh about it. You can't get that from from just data study. Like we have that in us. 
data doesn't make sense in data. Yeah. No, data is just used, unfortunately, to get a group of people to fall in line with what I want them to fall in line with. Yeah. That's all they use data for. Do you understand what I mean by that? Let's it gets it. the audience. Well, this is backed up. Yes. So then the audience now turns. They, they, it's a way to control the persuade an audience. Yeah, is with data. But you could say any data on anything, and what it's doing is it's it it's a way of disempowering people from their own intuitive ideas, their creativity. So they just go, oh, okay. If right. this is the data, then I guess that's it. It's a way of, it's a faith blocker. It's a faith blocker. And that's, unfortunately, though, the more and more, especially over COVID, that it was used as a tool that we must believe more than anything, Right. the data, it's, I think it's, we've, a lot of people have fallen into, oh, well, that's the data, so okay. Yeah. And then we turn off. It's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be used. Well, then that we're way. afraid to raise our hand because, well, yeah. the data says. I that. like what you're saying because then what we're effectively doing is turning off the most powerful creative yeah. force, which is yes. within ourselves. Yes. And once we do that, people don't contribute new ideas when the lead when there's someone up on a platform that was sent by the district, so it must be yeah. important. This must be true, yeah. and they're saying, "Well, this is the data." Oh, then I'm not gonna give them my idea. I know it should only be used as maybe a gateway encouragement. to encouragement. As encouraging, not as a, another voice, yes. not as the end all be all. It just has to be another voice, and that's what I think. That's where things. I think that's one of the big shifts that's going to start happening culturally is because people in my industry, like that I've been doing with teachers, they're just getting fed up because they're not even being utilized for their full power. Some of these people have been teaching for 40 years and they're being second guessed. They're like, no, I know how to do this. Well, they become frightened. Like our friend, yeah. uh, some of our friends, I won't mention their names, but they become frightened because they've been told by the, yeah. the person in the suit on the stage yeah. that this is the facts. That's what data says. It says, these are the facts. This is reality. Yeah. And it's so, so they start becoming uh, not just disengaging with their creativity, they start losing confidence in themselves and they become more and yeah. more negative, despondent about it, but go, well, what are you going to do? Right. That's just the way it is. It becomes a victimization. But the good news is even those people, when we renew our spirit, yes, this, the positive is so much more powerful that yes. we either move on, move up, and the thing is this, you can never stop God's will, which is always good, or you can call it, you know, the positive flow of the universe. Yes. But you may, this stuff may just postpone it in some people, but and even in myself, but it can't stop it. I and agree. as soon as I go, oh, I can't believe this way anymore. This is killing me. Then yeah. all of a sudden, whoop, like you said, once I say no to it, like you did with the possibility of choosing this, you know, taking that opportunity from the one, your one um, job opportunity that you felt, oh, it could be good money, but I really don't feel like it. But if I could listen to that, I really don't feel like it and go with the joy, say no to that. Like you said, every time 
God's will will persist, which is more happiness, prosperity, love, peace, yeah. health. It's almost yeah. like tapping into that rebellious side when it comes to that. Yes. Yeah. Like you have to rebel about like what, what you think, you know, because any logical person would be like, oh, you're going to go make money doing this, more money here. Like that's what you should probably do. And it's like that's not always the, yeah. an- the logical answer, but it's not the answer. answer. Yeah. Joy is the answer. Always. Yeah. Not today, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about you said joy. Joy leads the way. When joy leads the way, data's fine. If we're leading with joy. If we're using data to increase joy, it's perfect. But if we're using it to dampen spirits so I can control a group of people because this is the new policy, well, then it's not, it's, it won't work. Yeah, it will not work. It should be left to like the rare person who loves it. Like, I just did all this data, guys can, well, yeah. okay, you know, come on, show us the data. The black like, hat. Yes. The and, black hat. Yeah. yeah. And just let the, you know, but the, the rest of us, you know, we got to uh, live from joy. And that's why these, again, this show, Unlimited childlike. Power, Childlike. Yeah. Childlike. Yeah. No data in Childlike. Yeah, no, 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 it doesn't exist. No. Yeah, like no, the data is like, oh, I just jumped off that ramp, crashed into that fence. The next time I should pedal one less time so that I don't hit the fence. You yes. know, like, <laughs> if there's that much thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or let me try that one more time. Yeah. Exactly. That or, was awesome. That yeah. was awesome. <laughs> exactly. Or, or as Bruni's famous last words, hold my beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so. I'm so glad this is coming back around because. That feeling of that was awesome. When you do something that's so ridiculous, makes no sense, and somehow it all works out. Oh, it's the best. You don't miss out on that if we're too guarded and too data-driven and too calculated like many adult minds can be, right? Like, got to get into this. That was awesome. I can't believe it. I said that thing, and everyone agreed. I thought they were going to shut me down or whatever. That kid came along or... Whatever happens, that's when you say funniest thing, man. Thank God for these teachings. Yes, and one of the books I read, and I can't remember, it could be this, but there was one sentence in there, and it said, the best feeling is when we accomplish the thing that we previously thought we would be unable to accomplish. Oh, yeah. He says it's the best feeling because we're living by faith, and faith always manifests our desire. It's amazing. That's why I say the skateboarding changed my life. I don't always say this at all, but I've talked about this before. When I learned how to ollie up this bench that was like this high at a parking lot, uh, no, by the, by the liquor store where I used to buy candy, there was like a cement bench. And, you know, start, I could ollie with, you know, hopping up if you're on skateboard, jumping in the air with the board on your feet, you know, you know, get up a curb. That was one thing. But when I did something that my rational brain did not even understand, how can I make this board elevate that high and land on a bench and, and skate over it? And, and it's just, like you said, it's something that it's like the faith best. changes what was possible. And then it just rewrites everything about life. You know? And that is the best feeling in the world for me. That gives me the childlike wonder. And I never want to lose that. You know, I never want to lose that. Just like my friend Roxy said, I was at a... Uh, Bay Cities the other day in line Oof. getting food. Love of Bay Cities. Oh, uh, yeah. Oof. So I was picking up the food, and this old guy, he must have been in his 80s, Roxy. He had gray eyes and a matching shirt, and he just looked young, you know, happy. And he kept saying to me, I was like, man, how, you know, like, how are you doing it? You know, right. like, and he just kept saying, can't hit a moving target. 
can hit a moving. <laughs> it's harder to hit a moving target, and so we got to keep moving and keep growing and keep expanding and uh, keep our joy flowing. It's very important. All right. Oh, dude, we didn't. We didn't even read the. Did we read it? The Daily Word. We haven't read the Daily oh, let's Word. Wrap, let's read it. Time. We'll wrap it up. Let's do we do have it. time? Do we have yes. time? Yeah, okay. Let's get it. Uh, unlimited. 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 As a spiritual being, I am unlimited. If I have believed that being only human will keep me from reaching my most deeply cherished desires, today I can choose a new belief. I am fully human and fully divine. Through the Christ within my divine inheritance, I am one with God. The world may be full of limitations, but I transcend those by realizing the power, strength, and will of God are mine to express as only I can. I feel newly empowered to go for the life of my dreams without feeling daunted or undeserving of the best life has to offer. I am in the world, I am in the world, but not of it. I am a spiritual being, unlimited and powerful beyond measure. I boldly embrace new possibilities. Woo. Boldly embrace boldly. new possibilities. Boldly. Yes. And uh, we have a little story. Speaking of. Yeah, Mr. Bruni, before we go, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah. Anyone have anything else to say before we jump into this story? No, this is a good right, story. Let's wrap it up. We got to get Bruni out of here. Indy needs a salt coma from Pinocchio's. Or maybe he's already in one. All right. Um, so let's see. When, Bru when Stephen Bruni was a young, cocky fella, before he really was turned on to these principles, he got a job as a mechanic working on high-end cars in Malibu. Ooh. One day, he was removing the cylinder heads from a car engine when he spotted a famous heart surgeon standing off to the side, waiting for the service manager to come take a look at his Mercedes. Bruni shouted, Come over here a minute. The surgeon walked over. Bruni wiped his hands on his rag and said, Okay, Doc, look here. I open hearts, take valves out, grind them, put in new parts, and when I finish, this baby will purr like a kitten. So how come you get the big bucks when we're doing basically the same work? The doctor leaned over and whispered, Try doing it with the engine running. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but try doing it with the engine running this week, man. <laughs> or Live not. a good life. <laughs> yeah. Apply this stuff in your life and see how well it works and let us know yes. how it's going. Um, who was it that sang this song? It was Manfred Mann. Manfred Mann. And so he was inspired when he saw Bruni one day in he Los might Angeles. Have, I think he was at that Mercedes. He was getting his Mercedes worked on. He was very inspired. Oh, Bruni's, Bruni's looking nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he said, right? Yeah, he said, I, I saw Bruni just a walking down the street singing to what dum diddy do. Snapping his fingers and shuffling his feet singing to what dum diddy do. He looks good, looks good. He feels fine, feels fine. He looks good, he feels fine. He left all his doubts behind. Visit DarylNed.com. <laughs> easy links to everything we do. And remember, uh, wait, remember what? He looks good. Looks good. Feels fine. Feels fine. He looks good. He feels fine. And he left all his doubts behind. That's a wrap.
Thank you for listening to The Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed. Listen in as these unlikely saints share more real-life stories of how surrendering to divine order always leads to better-than-expected outcomes. This program has been made possible by God through automated monthly transfers from Daryl and Ed's credit cards. Five hundred dollars. Really? See, two hundred dollars for this. One hundred dollars for you. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no, no. Hundred dollars for you. Are you serious? Yeah. I give you one. Thank you so much. When you record your podcast at Chobo Studios, you're helping people in need. Here at Chobo, we take a bold stance on helping the community by giving away 10% of all revenue, not just profit, to kind, hardworking people in the streets of Los Angeles. And thanks to all these wonderful podcasters, we've been able to give $1,400 this year alone through our kindness initiative, Chobo Kindness. Brought to you by Chobo Studios, LA's premier podcasting powerhouse. Follow for more.